What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's uh, me, Nick Hausman. Uh, before we get to the show here today, we I just finished recording the top of the show with Justin Labar, and as soon as I hung up with him, I, I was given the very sad news that TMZ is currently reporting uh, that Ric Flair has been. Uh, well, I'll read. I'll read what it says here. It says Rick Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair was rushed to a hospital in the Atlanta area earlier this morning, according to TMZ. Ric Flair uh, was reportedly in the Atlanta area this morning when he suffered a medical emergency. The 70-year-old was initially taken to the emergency room to be treated. While details are unclear at this point, TMZ reported that the situation is very serious. Stay tuned to Wrestling Inc. for the Nature Boy or for updates on the Nature Boy status. Uh, on that note, I just wanted to send out uh, our heartfelt uh, thoughts, prayers uh, to everybody uh, in Ric Flair's orbit, friends, family, uh, and in between. And with that, uh, I'll kick it over now to today's episode of The Winkly. Good morning, Wrestling Inc. Welcome back. Wake on up. It is time for you to get thirsty for pro wrestling punditry here this Thursday. It is me, your managing editor of, of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman. Ugh, we're jarbled here. Uh, it is towards the end of the week. Uh, yes, it's me, Nick Hausman, joined here as I am every Thursday by my good friend, Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. It's a rich wrestling week. Uh, a rich a rich wrestling week. You know, I just said I was all tongue-tied, and then you throw rich wrestling week at me. That's a real tongue twister right there. Rich wrestling week. Hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, we have a lot to get to here today. I won't waste anybody's time here, as I was just doing then. Uh, but we have two great interviews here coming up later in the show. Uh, after the big news block here, uh, we're going to hear from MLW's Mance Warner. Uh, I had a later night chat with Mance over some beers. We talked uh, some deathmatch wrestling. We talked his pro wrestling future. I think you guys are going to love old Mancer. And I will caution you, if you are sensitive to some profanities or maybe have children's in the room, uh, I'm, I told Manser I was going to let Manser be Manser. So there, it gets a little loose. There are a couple 
uh, profanities in there. So I apologize for that. But anyways, Man- Mance is going to be Mance. Uh, and after Mance Warner, uh, you're going to get to hear Andy Malnowski's latest interview from WrestleCon 2019 with the one and only Val Venus. Uh, so very excited to air those later. I know you guys are going to love them. But right now, let's get to it. News you can use and news that's leaving a bruise. Man, I'm bruised here like a well-beat piece of meat at the end of the week because the Wrestling Observer is reporting that Triple H is officially frustrated with the current WWE product. That's right. Uh, There was this caller who called into the Pro Wrestling Torch with Wade Keller uh, a couple nights ago, and he spoke about spending time with three recent creative team members. Now, so, you know, this could all be, you know, just rumor, whatever. This happened over a a couple glasses of whiskey. We're going to get to a lot of the other stories that came out of this call at the end of the news block because there were a lot of things said here, allegedly, by these three creative team members. But the big thing here we'll start with is that Triple H is apparently the most frustrated person backstage each week. Uh, I will kick it to you here, Justin, before we get to some of these other tidbits, but is that in line with things maybe you've heard about the backstage environment in WWE right now? Uh, it is. You know, I, it makes a lot of sense from what we from the little bits of information that come out here or there. And, you know, I, about this was more than a year ago, uh, but somebody kind of in a random randomly inserted in a conversation somebody who is backstage at WWE every week for tv had just said you know man i you know i i actually heard like you know you know just describe a little bit of, of, of vince triple h frustrations with each other more so triple h with vince um you know didn't go into great detail and and, and, and you know again it was just very uh, just a very fleeting moment in a conversation in, in a very long conversation with this this person mm-hmm. backstage you know so i i, to- I totally believe I totally believe that there is definitely some frustration. I believe it based upon that. I believe it based upon, you know, this, this caller who, you know, I, I, I has to have, I'm sure some, I'm sure, you know, is not just making all this up. And then again, when we just watch as, as informed fans, uh, you and I, and, and others that, you know, our other colleagues, it just makes sense to see, okay, this is how triple H runs things. You know, we, you know, he's very gracious of giving the privilege to talk to all of us. So we kind of get to pick his brain and see how he likes to think and operate his brand which is nxt and then when you see how he operates and then how uh raw and smackdown are operated it you know it, it, it all it all makes sense so i mean obviously some of the specifics that we'll talk about i could you know we can maybe question you know it was that being embellished or was that a little exaggerated over 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 a glass of whiskey but i do think that the that the root of all all of this which is triple h is frustrated and that there's um unrest backstage I, I totally believe that that is uh that, that's that, that's a true theme going on here yeah well i wanted to throw it to you first and uh you said because i had actually spoken to somebody like again it was like i was having a conversation with somebody i knew that you know would obviously be familiar with triple h and and things like that and uh, i was i was told and i you know i really brought this up because i didn't really think much of it until i read this story but uh that that you know they were like you know triple h is you know he's getting driven a little crazy by vince right now and uh, i think if it weren't for nxt he might actually quit and I was like, wow, that's a that's kind of crazy, you know, and then I kind of forgot about it, moved on with my life. But, yeah, I've, I've heard definitely that there's Triple H has been frustrated here. That was a couple months ago that I heard that. So not too surprised to hear this uh, coming up now. But this caller here, you know, comes in. I guess it's like an hour long chat. I haven't got to listen to it yet. That we, we do have a lot of highlights here. Um, but uh, the Wrestling Observer, back to the story here, now that the cat's out of the bag, had some insight into this. Now, one big problem right now, I guess, is that Vince is now too open to suggestion in the eyes of Triple H. And he's got up to 40 writers right now on the team. He's listening to everybody. It winds up watering down the original ideas and storylines, I guess, that Triple H feels WWE is building. Uh, Also, uh, this torch caller uh, said that one of the writers allegedly said, 
We're all working for Dana Warrior, and it's really awkward. It was noted that many of the WWE writers are paranoid and feel like they are close to being fired. One of the writers said he is very close to quitting because he is unbelievably happy with the job. Um, all right, we'll put a we'll put a pin in it there. But uh, these are all, like Justin. We're getting this kind of stuff every day now out of WWE. There's so many leaks in the side of the boat right now. Uh, really rough for me to kind of wrap my head around what's being said right now on a consistent basis about the way WWE is operating backstage, you know? Well, you know, they talk about having 37 writers now, and even when it was half of that at one point uh, some years ago, I, I've always been saying there's too many cooks in the kitchen. You know, one of the things, and I understand that they have far more programming and, and the machine is far more advanced and developed than it was 20, 25 years ago. But one of the beautiful things about, you know, some of the 90s storylines, some of the things that we all, you know, remember and love um, is that it was that it was a much simpler process, you know, in terms of, you know, Vince and Pat Patterson and Bruce Pritchard and, you know, Vince Russo at certain times, Jim Cornette at certain times. You know, right. it, it, it was just a much, you know, and I, again, I know that you can't. I know you can't operate, which I know you need more people, more help to 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 to, to satisfy all that, that they have to do. And I know that like when Russo left, I know that was kind of the pinpoint. I think when I think Pritchard said it that Vince kind of decided he was never gonna like rely on just one head writer, just one guy. He was gonna, you know, make sure that he had checks and balances and whatever. And I get some of that, but again, there is a point where it's too many cooks in the kitchen. And based upon this report from the observer, it makes a lot of sense that you, you know, an idea starts one place and it could be really good if it just kind of kept focused, but then by the time it gets around the room, it's not even recognizable. Yeah. Probably Processed and filtered. Well, here's the other uh, other side of this conversation here. In regards to Vince McMahon, it said he often works until midnight and until 3 a.m. once a week, which I would imagine would be probably Sunday night, maybe Monday night into SmackDown. Uh, they also said here that Friday is an easy day for Vince. He's usually done around 8 o'clock at night, uh, but he mostly works, lifts weights, and he watches some football on the weekend. Many apparently feel within uh, many within WWE apparently feel Vince will not be stepping down anytime soon, despite all of uh, what we're just discussing here. Uh, it also seems unlikely he won't become. Uh, it also seems unlikely he won't become more hands-on with the XFL when it launches last year. So you know we're talking about Vince <laughs> kind of getting pulled all over the place by forty different voices. Imagine when this entity that he's got like what a half billion dollars tied up in launches next year and day to day he's watching that thing like the stock market and trying to make sure that thing is is running to his satisfaction you know what i mean yeah i mean if he's working until you know midnight or three now and and, and he just has worn and he's just worrying about wwe business i mean you know okay let's just say that the guy you know everybody's always said that vince is not human he's like a robot he doesn't sleep okay let's say that he truly does decide he's just going to work 24 hours around the clock uh and where and whenever he's not lifting weights um, I, I don't even know if there's enough hours in the day left over as it is now to do what he would have to do to make the X, you know, to, to, to be as hands on as he wants to be with the XFL and make it succeed. Cause you said a half a billion dollar investment. So by just by logic of only 24 hours in a day, he's going to have to reduce some hours and time that he gives the WWE if he truly is going to try to make the XFL work. Granted, he has, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, great. He has Oliver Locke and he has football people to do some football things. Right. He also has some wrestling people to do some wrestling things and he seems to be just as hands on as he is. So it's like, Something is going to have to give come this time next year, you know, I guess earlier than this time next year, February, I guess, of next year. So, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting time. And the fact that it's going to be on the road to WrestleMania of all times. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, back to the McMahons here in general here. Uh, as you know, it's weird how this is all culminating right before the season finale uh, or series finale of Game of Thrones. It feels a little Games of Thrones right now when I'm reading this. Uh, Stephanie McMahon no longer has anything to do with WWE creative this uh, these days. That's what it says here. She used to be in charge of creative for 
for a while, right? Like all of it, right? She was at one point. She was, um, and this isn't this is not surprising. Um, just you know, I, from the time I've been around Stephanie, she she does great with as the, as the ambassador. She does great as um, you know, speaking po- positively about WWE and what they do, and you know, being a strong female executive. And um, I would just have to imagine, and just trying to think about her from a personal standpoint. Um, this is probably, you know, this is probably a little bit of an awkward situation because she, you know, you have your, you know, she has her father who, you know, obviously it's her father and he's built the empire to, to what it is, but she also has her husband who, you know, maybe says, look, you know, things need to change and, you know, what have you. And I mean, you, you imagine maybe stuck in the middle. So I'm not surprised that it's kind of a, just a very kind of straightforward, basic, she's not involved in creative. She's kind of arms up, take a few steps back. I guess let the men handle this type of thing. I don't know, uh, but it's got to be an awkward situation. What do you mean the men are handling everything? Dana, the the writers report to Dana Warrior. That's what they said. I mean. I mean, when I say the men, I mean like let you know the Triple H events handle their problems. You know, and her, her not get in the middle of it. Yeah, I mean, the, and the whole Dana Warrior. I mean, what? you know, on the one hand, I don't know Dana Warrior's history. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, it's one thing if, if Dana Warrior has like management experience in, in in any 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 kind of business. I mean, it's one thing to be able to be a manager and manage people. Um. I don't know her creative background. I don't know what creative things she's done. I'm sure she has done some. I'm not aware of them. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't know how fit or unfit she is to be in that position. Um, so, yeah, but it seems like it's kind of a out of nowhere. And as, as you noted in the report uh, from the writers, a, a little un- awkward. All right. I got an idea for Bailey. What if – okay, follow me here. Hard rock music, okay? She runs to the ring, all right? And then – jumps up, shakes the ropes, and maybe her matches are really short, right? <laughs> Dana, you pitch this for every wrestler. This is what you think all wrestlers should do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, who knows? You know, it, it, you know, again, this is the thing. We're on the outside. Who knows? She might you might sit and talk or she might have a whole she might have a whole a whole note of great ideas and again, and maybe it's just a case of there's too many cooks in the kitchen so getting things done. Who knows? She might have a whole lot of great ideas that if, if she was left to some some independence, she might be able to do some things. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it sounds awkward to us because we're like, oh, the, the widow of the ultimate warrior who we never never saw or knew anything of until his death. Um, I, I don't know. But it, yeah, who knows? It's, it's, it's just weird. It's just a very we, – we say this almost every day now. It's just it's, what a weird freaking time. Well, Shane McMahon apparently does occasionally still pitch ideas, but they rarely get used. Um, but Shane's doing like – Shane's one of the best characters on TV right now in WWE. So, you know, whatever that dynamic is like with him and creative. They seem to have found a middle ground. Um, and Triple H, back to Triple H here to wrap up this uh, report. Triple H has apparently started to pick his spots to talk with Vince, but he never does it in front of people. Man, to be a fly on the wall right now for a one-on-one conversation with Triple H and Vince McMahon about creative. That's where the money's at. That's the that's the podcast. Where's that podcast? Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> could, you, could, you imagine, uh, could you imagine Conrad grilling Triple H every week for a podcast? Um yeah, I mean, and that's probably smart on Triple H's end, you know, especially if, if he knows that, that him and Vince, you know, are going to have disagreements or, or on different pages far too often is, you know, you still, at the end of the day, you still have to, you still have a company, you know, you're still both executives, still have a company to run, you have a lot of people answering to you, a lot of people's livelihoods on the line. So, you know, you, 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 you need to, you know, you need to handle that stuff privately and, and, and because at the end of the day, you still have the same people that have to answer both to you and to him. And then, you know, it's so, I mean, that's, 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 that's good to hear. That's the case that, 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 that's a very mature business, you know, decision for Triple H to pick those spots privately and not, um, not fuel flames any, anymore. I mean, obviously people are seeing him frustrated and, you know, what have you. And it's one thing to be able to read the guy and read his facial expressions or read his tone. But yeah, again, if he's, 
any honest, uncomfortable conversations he might have to have with Vince. It's, it's again, good that he's picking those spots privately. Yep. Triple H to AEW. You heard it here. That's what's going on. Oh, Stop. Uh, SmackDown, on the note of all this chaos here, drew the lowest SmackDown audience for a non-holiday first-run episode in history. It was a pre-tape uh, since they were over in the UK. It drew an average of 1.827 million viewers. It was the only first-run episode that did worse uh, no, the only first-run episode that did worse was the New Year's Eve 2015 episode, which drew 1.658 million, and was the final SmackDown on Sci-Fi. That was back when the show was taped and featured superstars from both brands. Uh, yeah, well, this dynamic is not helping what we all just talked about. Something's got to give. Yeah, and I said I, I said when I did the post-SmackDown show Tuesday night uh, on Wrestling Inc. with uh, Roger Matt Morgan, I said, uh, you know, and this is a rare week where I actually enjoyed Raw more than I enjoyed SmackDown, so it makes sense. Yeah, indeed. Uh, all right, well, uh, we talked uh, a little bit about AEW there for a second. Uh, we do have uh, some highlights coming out of AEW's uh, Warner Media uh, upfronts yesterday. They took to the red carpet. Uh, our friends over at WrestlingNews.co uh, got a couple clips uh, of some of the talent on the red carpet here. Uh, first, we'll go to Cody. He had the following to say about AEW promos at the Warner Media Upfronts. When it comes to promos, if we invested in you, we already know your voice. We just want to put the voice out there for more people to hear. There's great coaches we have, great collaborators, guys like Jim Ross, Billy Gunn, a bunch of guys that I can't name. We have these great collaborators, plus all of us who want to make this work. Collaboration, yes. Micromanagement, no. Scripted, no. That's the best. That's probably news to my ears if I'm a frustrated talent WWE right now. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's refreshing to hear. Um, again, I, I, that was the old school way, right back in the '80s. You know, just let these guys go. Let them, you know, they know their voice. Um, yeah, of course, I, 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 I caught the same thing that I think you caught uh, when you read this of of other collaborators, guys that I can't say now. Yeah, right. It kind of stood out to me. Who else is who? Who? How many clowns have you got in this clown car over at AEW? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on the note of unrest at WWE, the Young Bucks were asked about it on the red carpet, and they had the following. They had the following to say regarding unhappy wwe talent possibly heading to AEW. i think so we've heard a lot of chatter a lot we have a lot of friends that work there so we hear it from them too i feel like we've changed the landscape of wrestling and it's going to give them some competition so game on right game on game on car car <laughs> game on game on uh uh, all right, let's let's move on here. Uh, Titus O'Neil shared a tweet that I was very happy to see yesterday re- regarding Lars Sullivan. Uh, apparently, Lars, uh, Lars approached him and apologized for the, the comments that became uh, so controversial here in the past week or so. Uh, Titus's tweet read, Lars, I applaud you for seeking out myself and others on the WWE roster to not only sincerely apologize, but also seek guidance as to how to move forward and being a better human being, being a uh, better human being, than you were nine years ago. Nobody is perfect, including uh, uh, including me. Thank you, Vince McMahon, for taking action. And there you go. Um, I, you know, I don't think you could ask for a better first step towards redemption here than Lars got this week. I thought he handled it very well, honestly. Yeah, that's good to hear. And um, you know, Titus, uh, you know, if Titus is one of the first people we went to, that's a good call. Titus, very, uh, you know, very outspoken, very visible. Um, you know, per person in WWE, while he's not, you know, heavily used creatively, you know, top of the card or anything, he's, you know, again, he's just very public in terms of, you know, being an ambassador for WWE. And so, um, you know, so for him to say that and kind of, that's a good first step yeah. of, um, of, of, of redemption for Lars of, of, you know, okay, this guy's accepted your apology and thinks you went about this the right way and, and took ownership of it and, and, and what have you. So that's, that's definitely good news for, um, 
for for Lars. Yeah, I agree. And you know, it was funny. I brought up earlier this week. You know, the idea of him working you know, Lars doing boys and girls clubs events and stuff. And you were like, "Yeah, but he's like a heel. <laughs> you know, it's going to be tough for him to do those events with with uh, Titus." And yeah, I mean, honestly, if Lars keeps up like a successful path here, and like we actually start to see it, he might. Lars could baby himself to me here, and uh, that's interesting. <laughs> An interesting turn, I thought, for this story. Well, and, and, and this is where, and this is where we have to remember to separate storyline from real life here. I, I mean, know. obviously, storyline—he's—he's he's been a very effective silent heel. Um, you know, right. you know, the, you know, we have to be able to. We have to so that's why I said, you know, I'm sure one day we can see him doing the boys and girls stuff and do the make a wish and all that stuff. But you know, right now, as you're trying to sell everybody and get people to know this new. You know, big time heel. They obviously have an investment in. Yeah. Um. You know, showing him, showing him break the fourth wall, down on his knees, playing with kids and talking about bullying and stuff like that. that that's just not the right time right now for to see that. If you're trying to get, sure. if you're trying to keep your programming going. Sure. I guess I, I guess I can enjoy booing Lars Sullivan more than I would have a week ago. Right. Uh, is a nice way to put it, and that's true for a lot of superstars. But yeah, interesting turn of events. Not nonetheless creatively what it'll mean or whatever anything like that. I thought this was handled very well, and of others that have been through the situation, I think that he's handled it better than did pretty much everybody. Uh, Wrestling Observer uh, reporting that Andrade, we got some Andrade news here. Andrade likely to continue his IC title feud with Finn Balor beyond Sunday's Money in the Bank. Apparently, there's a lot of backing within WWE right now for the Andrade character. Uh, great to hear that behind him, but this feeds into what I said. I think Sami Zayn's going to take this briefcase. Andrade, I don't think, needs... This win here, I think he's going to get a nice organic, or I would hope get some kind of nice organic push and a feud here with Finn Balor coming out of Money in the Bank, it sounds like. Yeah, mid-card push is good. Uh, I like the presentation of him with him and Zelina Vega. I like him in the ring. Um, uh, I, I still don't think Sammy's grabbing the briefcase, but nah. uh, that's a whole other debate. <laughs> we, we'll see. I don't know. He'd be so good with it right now. So good. Uh, we got some Sheamus updates here, too. Talk Sport spoke with Drew, uh, Drew McIntyre. Uh, Drew said uh, to not believe everything you read on the internet regarding Sheamus's injury and his career potentially wrapping up. Now, is that in line? Do you think we'll see Sheamus back? I, I don't know if you've heard anything. I know occasionally you guys exchange words. I I can't say that I have direct information to give you, but I, I do think we'll see him back. Yeah, I don't think he's done. Okay. Uh, UK Express on that note says Cesaro does expect to see the bar wrestle as a tag team again, but he notes that Sheamus is focused on that IC title and Cesaro is now himself getting a singles run going. He says he does not know when Sheamus will be back, but he's doing great. And good. You know, I don't know what happens when Sheamus comes back. They can't share the same theme song. Cesaro's going to need new music, but these guys are better as single stars right now. Great run is the bar. I want to see him back in singles action. Yeah, I mean, they had a long, lengthy run as a tag team, and it was good. Um, and they fit well, and, and, and I like the kind of like the, the European hooligan kind of thing they did. Um, but yeah, they, 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 they certainly do well single stars. And obviously, I mean, Sheamus, you know, former world champ, certainly would like to see Cesaro get get something going here. I I I fear we probably missed his window. I feel like WWE's probably moved. They probably since moved on, um, and have other guys now that have you know coming up in line to push. But you know you know what I would like to see for Cesaro if they really weren't going to if they really weren't going to if they are going to do anything of significance with him on Raw and SmackDown if he's just going to kind of be just a filler guy. I'd love to see him in NXT. Oh sure. Well, I mean, but Cesaro and Ray were great on Monday night, you know. And I know he didn't get the they, win. Well, no, it was a great, it was a great match. But what I'm saying, if there's not going to be any like, you know, if, if if other people have moved past him in line in the singles run and they got new new project, I mean, you know, Cesaro is not a young man anymore. I mean, yeah. he's you know he's on the older half of the roster. I, if they're not going to do anything of significance and he's not going to be actually challenging and defending the uh, mid card title or world title, or if he's not going to be in anything of great substance character wise, which he hasn't had a lot of that anyways in his career. 
Uh, even you know, even when Paul Heyman was his manager, if we all remember that for a moment, um, I, I would just like to see him in NXT. Then I think he would just be a great complement to NXT's roster. And, and obviously, Triple H is losing NXT guys at rapid pace uh, by the way that they, by the, I mean, just look at the amount of guys they brought and girls they brought up already in 2019. Yeah, I, I get that, you know. But at the same at the same token, and you know, I would agree with you for a lot of other talent like a runner next would be great. But like, if I'm Cesaro and I just saw Kofi Kingston right out of nowhere get like the biggest run of his life because some circumstances came up. Kofi got slotted in. The, the crowd organically got behind him. He took advantage of the ball and he ran with it. I would continue to bide my time and wait for an opportunity to come along like that because I do feel like Cesaro is in like a, a nice utility spot here. I th- again, I thought he looked good on Raw. I think he's going to continue to grow uh, back into a single star here. And, and I, would, I would wait and hope to, to pick a shot here and try to you know run as fast as I can with that ball. I like your optimism. Yeah, well, thank you. Somebody has to be here. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up the news block here um, with some more notes from this alleged conversation with the three writers that the PW Torch caller had. Are you ready for some of these stories, Justin? Give it to me. Okay. Uh, Dana Brooke uh, is apparently the hardest working uh, wrestler in the last three years. Apparently, she regularly visits the Performance Center Orlando. She shows up early to events. She helps set up the ring gets in the ring so she can work on her craft. Apparently, writers pitch ideas for her, but the officials have given her nothing until, you know, most recently this women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I did not know this about Dana. This makes me like Dana Brooke more. Uh, I have heard some of... I, I've heard similar to this, so I believe this. I, that I have heard that she is very hardworking, and a lot of people do have recognized and like her and want to see her succeed, and they see that she has natural athleticism and that she was extremely green... Even still, even still is to some extent now, you know. But but it was determined to learn the learn the X's and O's of, of pro wrestling, learn the craft, learn what it means you know, within ring psychology and, and and everything. I've heard the same thing. So yeah, it, it it does. As I started hearing it, it did make me start to like, man, oh, all right, let me let me see something for her. So the fact that they plugged her in, what I assume was a Sasha Banks' a spot for Money in the Bank, uh, yeah, it's good. Very cool, very cool spot she got on Monday with that uh, crossbody off the ladder. I was like, wow. Where's this Dana Brooke been? You know, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, okay, another, another, there's like a bunch of these years to so strap in. WWE's contract with Fox for SmackDown prohibits Fox from moving SmackDown to FS1, even if the ratings drop. <laughs> if you're Fox, if that's true, the, you know, Vince McMahon has full autonomy. He's going to be, I don't know, it seems like he's going to lose his mind. That's kind of daunting <laughs> for me. You know, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, that's a pretty um, that's that's pretty great. I mean, that's good for WWE that they were able to lock that in and get that negotiated, they, you know, not to be moved around and they could stay on the flagship, stay on the big, big show, big, big network, um, big station. Uh, yeah, so I mean, if that's I, I have a hard time seeing somebody making that up, so I, I would have to imagine that's somebody who, who's aware of who's aware of that that principle. So, um, you know, that's that's a big that's a big con- contractual win for WWE there, okay? All right, I don't know the truthiness of that. Uh, when Neville walked out of the company, apparently there was a crazy shouting match. And Neville flipped out on Vince. That was the last time the writers saw him. The writers praised Neville for being so easy to work with. Uh, I knew he was unhappy. I guess I don't not believe this story, but still pretty wild, you know. Yeah, it's hard to picture. I mean, I've interviewed him several times, and he's so and I you know I've been, I interviewed him. I've been around him with like the children's hospital stuff. He's so well mannered, so well spoken, soft spoken. Um, yes, yeah, so it's hard. It's hard to kind of imagine. Like him just getting that enraged and having a shouting match with Vince of all people, but um, well, didn't yeah. they say? Didn't they? Didn't they say that they wanted him to drop the title to Enzo? Isn't that why he got so upset? Reportedly, I think that was right. I think that was one of the events around when he right when he departed. Yeah, yeah I mean, Enzo, <laughs> like it's always Enzo. 
is the problem. Uh, it was also said that ideas never pan out as originally planned because writers come up with the stuff and then Vince loses interest after a week or two and they use Mojo Raleigh as an example. I totally believe this because WTF Mojo Raleigh, you know, I don't get this one. Yeah, no, again, just yeah, just as us watching, it kind of it kind of makes sense how often you see something just start and stop and disappear, reappear and, you know, just yeah. So I yeah, I, t- I totally believe that. And again, it comes back to just 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 too many cooks in the kitchen because you're going to be focusing on one thing and you got to you're going to you know, okay, this is this is the goal right now. This is the superstar, this character, this story, and then all of a sudden somebody else bring, "Oh, let's what about this?" And you know, it's like you know, it's like it's like a dog, you know, trying to chase a squirrel. It's like squirrel car, squirrel car, bone. You know what? You know, it's like just dude, your head just on a swivel, trying to keep track of the stuff. I totally believe it as well. Squirrel, uh, squirrel. The, squirrel. <laughs> the writer said the pay for the job is good, and it's a dream job for many of them, but it gets frustrating. It was also said the talents are very unhappy, and people are trying to get out of their contracts. Of course, fully believe this because that ties into everything we talked about at the top of the show. Um, the writers believe Bruce Pritchard is a pleasure to work with. He's a funny guy and a pleasure to work with, but he's not getting through to Vince either. It was said Shane McMahon, Steph, and Triple H have also tried to talk to Vince with no luck. Bruce Pritchard was supposed to be the savior. Doesn't sound like that's the case here. Yeah, I mean, Bruce, for a long time, again, as I noted earlier, he was the right-hand man to Vince, and he was able to speak to Vince in a certain way. And uh, Yeah, I guess um, I guess he's not speaking Vince's language as much <laughs> anymore. If, if this is true, I haven't talked to Bruce about this. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, I totally could see that happening. And uh, yeah, he's Bruce is a great guy to deal with. And yeah, with the writers, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is a good paying gig for the most part. And, and you know, you're you know, it's 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 fun and exciting if things are going well. But, um, you know, I think I've, I've said it on the show. You know, I, once upon a time I interviewed with them uh, being a writer. and got all, the, got all the way to the point of interviewing with the head writers. And uh, I'm kind of <laughs> kind of, you know, I don't know if I would have survived and would have been happy. So, I mean, you know, life is life. But uh yeah, I mean, I feel for these guys. I mean, this is just, they are, ta- you know, it's one of those things where, you, you know, you're just, you're tasked almost with an impossible and, and then to have to, you know, hear ever hear fans being so unhappy when you're passionate about it, but they're so unhappy bashing you. Yeah. Um, you know, that's tough. Yeah. Well, that goes to this next point here. Apparently the writers listen to podcasts. I would guess like the Winkley, uh, high writers, and they hear fans bashing the, uh, the weak product and it breaks their heart. And to that, I would say, if you are listening and you would like to explain why something is not working or put momentum behind an idea that you have, my DMs are always open. Private conversations. Uh, I am there for you. Uh, it was claimed that the current Sami Zayn promos are his are not his own, despite recent claims by Sami and others. That's not Sami Zayn's promos. That's Vince McMahon talking through Sami Zayn, it was said. Oh, uh, weird. That one caught me off guard. Um, You know, I don't know. You know I can see that. You know, Sami... Um, I don't know. I I, I actually I, I do in some ways. I, I have a hard time seeing the real person. I don't know. I, I I don't know if the real person would be as as cynical and harsh on the wrestling fan base as his character is right now. I mean, I can kind of see that being Vince speaking through Sammy. I, I don't know. That, that that's, that's this is yeah. This one's a tricky one too. Yeah, I mean, I get it too. But I mean, then like all the symbolism of like Sammy getting dropped in a dumpster out of nowhere for no reason, and it barely got even addressed. It's like, what's going on there? And uh, also, I totally believe that Vince McMahon is the kind of guy that would sit you down and make you look at all the photos from his vacation and tell you how much fun he had. Seems like something Vince might do to me. You know. Anyway, <laughs> Vince doesn't. Vince doesn't take vacations. Look, look at me here. I'm in Panama. <sighs> Um, there are, uh, we already talked about this one, the 37 total writers, total mass. Uh, some of the writers believe 
WWE Hall of Famer Road Dog will eventually end up in AEW. James recently left the writing team after working as a co-lead writer for SmackDown. His future is up in the air. I mean, I, I mean, Billy's there. There's a lot of guys of that of his era that seem to have moved over there. Uh, we've also heard that WWE is trying to, you know, move out some of the older voices in favor of, of younger voices or, or newer voices. So I could I could see some truth to this one. Yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, it was said that NBC Universal and Fox both want top stars on their shows, which was reported. The writers love it, and, and they uh, the writers loved it when there was a real brand split. So the writers are pushing for two brands and not this amalgamation that we're all of a sudden getting. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you can actually have two brands, it makes things a lot easier. You could have – here's your set roster for each one. Yeah, from a creative standpoint, it's much easier to manage. Um, but uh, <laughs> the wild card rule says different. Well, on that note, the superstar shakeup apparently changed week to week. Didn't pan out how it was originally laid out months prior. Everything changed. You, you, you don't say. <laughs> Every, everything changed because Vince just decided to change it. The wild card rule was not in the raw script on the morning of the show. It was introduced. That I fully, I believe every word of that. <laughs> I believe everything about that. Uh, well, he was up to three. He was up. He was up to three a.m. <laughs> Coming up with a wild card rule. Uh, back to Andrade here. Andrade allegedly went into Vince's office and asked for a legit push. Vince allegedly looked at him and said, learn some English and get back to me. Andrade has since been taking English lessons. This sounds rough, but I kind of get it, right? Since like the WWE appeals so hard to the, the North American audience. Uh, but it comes across a little harsh, I guess, when it's read like that, you know? Yeah, but yeah, but, it, but as you just said, I can see that. I mean, if you know, you, you can't, you you can't have a top star representing your brand if they if they still aren't comfortable speaking the native language of the company. I don't even know what Cesaro. I don't know what Cesaro speaks. Mumble mouth Swiss. I think Cesaro speaks like six languages. He does. Um, the Firefly Funhouse storyline is all Bray Wyatt's idea. Wyatt was described as an absolute genius, and it was said that helps others with their promos. He's one of the best guys in the locker room. Yes, also believe yep. this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finally here, from our grab bag of notes from this torch caller, the storyline comedy between the Usos and the Revival has d- been done because Vince just thinks it's funny. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean... You'd have to think it's him that finds it funny because nobody else would, would realistically think this is a great use of TV time. <laughs> My guest at this time can be seen every Saturday night as part of MLW's Fusion. He's also recently competed for GCW. He is a former CZW World Heavyweight Champion. He'll also be at StarCast 2. It's Mance Warner. Mance, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. I love it, big dog. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. You know, I I got really excited to chat with you. I always enjoy watching you in the ring, and I know you thank love you, thank you. you love beer, right? Goddamn right, light beer. It's got to be the light beer. Oh well, all right. I I, I did it wrong then. I actually I said because we're doing this at a later hour. I decided to drink a yes, beer. Sir, yes, sir. I decided to drink a beer while we're doing this. Is that okay? That's fine, man. I got one too. I just opened one up, actually. Oh well, good. We'll do this together. I wanted to say that I got I, the reason I'm drinking this beer is it's a it's like a craft beer from the Solom Oak Brewery, and the name of the beer I'm drinking is called the Snaggletooth Bandana, and it just kind of reminded me of you. That sounds great. See, Old Master drinks a lot of beers. I don't. I don't give no one shit. Whatever beers they want to drink, if they don't drink beers, that's fine too. I ain't gonna give no one no shit about it. 
I just preferred the light beers. All right, fair enough. Well, good to get it going here, Mance. Uh, man, you have had a heck of a 2019, and we're not even halfway through it yet. Before we get to everything, yeah, dude. Before we get to everything you're doing right now, you know, I've never had the chance to sit down and chat with you. You're from Bucksnort, Tennessee. What is the yes, pro, what is the pro wrestling scene like there, where you broke out from? Well, I ain't I ain't gonna shit on nothing. But it's basically the way I look at it is ever since I was a little messer, I've ran around getting in fistfights and getting in trouble and making bad decisions. So it's best to do it in a wrestling ring where I know I ain't going to get sued and I ain't going to get arrested if I beat somebody in the head, butt them, eye poke them, knee pad up, knee pad down, dramatic pause, take their head off. You know what I mean? I ain't going to get no trouble doing that out in the ring. Okay. Yeah, but what, what's the scene like uh, in, in Buck, Bucksnort, Tennessee, where you came from? Was it an active pro wrestling scene or was it hard for you to – Find places to train, that sort of thing. Well, old Benson, now here's the deal. I can give you two stories. I can either say I've been doing this since 1986, <laughs> or I could get detailed into it and say that I'm on my comeback. And old Benson actually trained out with Billy Rock out in Lafayette, Indiana, if you know who that is. I know Billy Rock, yeah. Oh, yes, sir. Same guy to train Ruby Riot. So I went out there and did some training with, with old Billy out there. And then ever since then, I've been, I just did it in my beautiful truck driving around wrestling whoever whoever gonna take on Mensa and I go out there and wrestle. Now when you were training, now you wrestle a very brutal style. I've seen you bleed a lot yes, of blood, Mance. Was that the style you naturally gravitated towards or did you start pro wrestling trying to be more of a, a, a brawler tactician type? Well see here's the thing. A lot of people get this confused. There and I love this. I love this shit. Because I got a lot of people that think I just do death matches, and that's it. And then I got people that have seen me do more of what they would call like a, a technical comedy style, right? And then there's the guys that go, oh, no, I've seen old Manson, and he did a 60-minute technical match, and they just chopped and, and did all kinds of shit, strong style, whatever it may be. I look at pro wrestling as kind of like a buffet, right? You go in there and get whatever you want. My goal has always been old Manson wants to be – a little bit of everything. So if you come in and you don't like this, well, you're going to like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, people seem to think of you like a deathmatch guy. I think it's just maybe because those mm-hmm. images of you bleeding are just so, you know, they're memorable. I'll say that much. <laughs> yes. Um, how is your body holding up, you know, after a lot of the, the brutal bloody bouts you've had? I got no complaints, brother. I, I get them beers at me and get some rest in when I can. And the body's a wild thing, man. It, uh, it rejuvenates. It's a big word for old master use, but after a couple of days, you'll be all right out there. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I was doing some research on you. Uh, one guy that I really liked that said that you were one of the talents to watch in 2019 was Sammy Callahan. Um, talk to me a little yes, bit. Sir. What is your relationship like with Sammy? What is it? Why would he say such a nice thing about you? Old Sammy saw Manson out at, I believe it was IWA Bitsau. That's where one of the places Old Master started at out there. So you can imagine, IWA Mid-South has always, always been a place where it's, it's the same people out in that crowd. They can see wrestling twice a week. They come out there. So you got to learn on the fly how to get real goddamn good real quick because if not, then they ain't going to give a shit about you. And Sammy was down there doing the show, and I think that was the first time he saw me out there. And then me and him stepped in the ring together out at, we did it at MLW, but we've also done it out at AAW. Another right. place old mentions that pretty much every month. And it's kind of a lost start nowadays where guys can go out there and just 
beat the shit out of each other. And they ain't got to think about everywhere. We going to do this, this, this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's one of the things that we went out there and kind of just went at it for 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was. And Sammy said after that match to the crowd that if Ole Miss would have been around back when, you know, it was Sammy and Drake Younger and, and Hero and guys like that running around, I would have fit in perfectly. Man. That's a big compliment. That's a huge compliment. Um, now, with that, I mean – you know, you bring up some of the guys that, that set the path. I, you know, I've got to jump around here a little bit, but, you know, one of those guys was also John Moxley. I don't know if you saw that viral video he released online. What what was your take of uh, Moxley teasing a return to, to wrestling here and the barbed wire? As soon as our old master saw that, man, excited to see what – because there's a lot of dream matches where I'm doing shows every week. I go all over. I, you know, wherever, whoever's going to take old master, I go out there and, and give everything I got out there. And that's always the guy that people bring up. They always say, man, if we got Master and Moxley, that'd be fucking insane. Can I cuss on here? I'm sorry. You can say whatever you want, man. That's right. fine. Go for it. <laughs> be Manser. Sure I, I love to fly sometimes. Be Manser. Uh, You're fine. But, yeah, that's one of the things people always bring up. Well, man, if we could see Moxley and Master go out, that'd be insane. I'd love that. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of those things where you see that and go, that's a dream match right there. Oh, yeah, you know, and he had a lot of history at CZW. You have a lot of, of history at CZW. First of all, do you, could you see Moxley making a return to CZW of all the places he could possibly pop up? Man, I could see Moxley going to about every damn place on the indies. I could see him at CZW. I could see him out at GCW, anywhere. Okay. You don't know, nowadays it's crazy, man. Independent wrestling ain't, you know, a lot of people like to shit on independent wrestling, and they say, you know, well, Oh, I only watch this or this or whatever. Nowadays, it's if you watch wrestling, guaranteed you watch an independent wrestling. It's insane. There's so many places nowadays. Is has there been a moment for you recently that you can think of where you've been on like an indie show and just something ridiculous is happening where you're like, I can't believe that I actually get to be a part of this right now. Oh, it happens every week. <laughs> uh, me and Eddie Kingston were beating the shit out of each other out of AIW out in uh, Ohio a couple weeks ago. And then later that night, Ole Messer and Joey Janela draw number one and two in a gauntlet for the gold, Royal Rumble style. Don't tell Vince I want him suing me for saying that on here. And then uh, we're one and two, and we end up lasting all the way till the end. That's over an hour. And then I throw Janela out. I mean, every week it's something. Every weekend it's like me and Homicide wrestle. And we go at it, and I go, damn, this is, this is insane, man. I got bootleg VHS copies of videos from back in the day with all these guys on here. Me and Loki fist fighting out of MLW. It's nuts. It's insane. Damn. Yeah. You know, outside of Moxley, which is obviously like a dream bout, like, you know, again, it's like you say every weekend for you, it feels like you're in some kind of dream match scenario. And I mean, yeah, they're throwing everybody at you right now, man. So I can't open my Twitter feed without seeing some cool graphic with you and somebody else in the photo. But who's who's that opponent out there right now? That you're like, you know what? If Mansur could get in there with this person, we'd we'd steal the show. I know uh, me and Gates just had a match out of GCW. Yeah, and I know the crowd appreciated that, and they they you know they went fucking wild during that one. Uh, besides Moxley, I think that'd be nuts. Uh, you know, if I'm looking at it, I'm going. Me and me and Janela haven't had a one on one yet. Uh, me and Loki haven't had a one on one. There's a whole list. I can sit down and just start, <laughs> okay. you know, I got a 
<laughs> I have to, I have to, I'll make a list and then I'll come back on here and then I'll just spend 10 minutes naming guys. How about that? That's fine. That sounds good. That's like the Jericho man of a thousand and two holds type thing. We can do that as well. I know. Damn. There's so many, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. You brought up that gauge match because you are a former CCW champion, uh, won the cage of death, uh, won the, won the belt, won the belt cage of death 20 against Ricky Shane page. But I know that there's not always been the best of blood between CZW and GCW. Are you still with CZW, or, or what do you make of uh, these two entities not really getting along? We'll see. Mancer's thing's always been is Mancer's thing. You know what I mean? If people have issues or whatever that may be, I've never had no issues with nobody. I've all, you know, I'm pretty easy to get along with. I show up when you need me. I do what, what, what is asked. I drink my beers. I get along with that. I don't have no issues with nobody. Uh, old Mancer looks at it like I got a truck or I get flown. Whoever, you know, however the hell I got to get there, I show up and do business. So whatever, you know, whatever's between anyone else, that's on them. Ain't got nothing to do with Old Master. Okay. So GCW, CCW, AAW, Freelance, you kind of go do, set the tone for what you'd like to be doing on the Indies. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. All right, cool. I, I try to go wherever I'm having fun. If I'm having fun and I'm enjoying myself, I'm a happy man. It's Happy camper, I can't complain. It's weird how there is still, like, politics on the indies, right? I mean, do you, do you notice? Do you, I mean, like, what do you make of it when you hear about, like, these political things on the indies about, oh, we don't like this other promotion or don't work for these other promotions, that kind of thing? I always try to stay clear of it. Yeah. You know, I... I you know, like I said, I'm new to the game. I ain't been doing this for 35 years or nothing like that. So I kind of show up and I, I got my people. I hang out with my people. I hang. The main thing, intermission hits, I'll go out there and I drink beers with the fans. So I'm trying to have fun. Yeah. You know, so I kind of I, I straight and narrow, do what I'm there to do, and that's it. I, I'll get involved in, you know. If I'm booking WCW backstage while I'm drinking beers, that's about as political as old master gets. <laughs> You know, the more you keep talking about drinking beers, it's like I really want to see just you and the Sandman just drinking and hitting each other with things. Oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Throw it on a poster, book it, tell me where I need to go. I'm all about that. <laughs> you're so, you know, you're old school, man, sir. You know, I keep, you know, like you say, Sammy said you to fit in with his crew a couple years ago. You seem like something from like a, a, a bit of a throwback, you know, and you are so traditional that way. How has it been transitioning from, you know, having that allure on the Indies to now, you know, working on TV, you know, and a being part of MLW Fusion? I love it out there, man. They, they let Old Master be Old Master, you know what I mean? It's not a, I show up, figure out what I got to do. There's so many goddamn people out there that know and have been in pro wrestling for so long. You know, you got Core Bauer, you got Cornette, man. Me and Cornette sit there fucking all damn day talking. They got to run us off to get us to go do what we got to do, you know. Uh, K-Dog's out there. You got so many people with knowledge that if you're out there and you ain't learning something, you're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about what you're talking to a court, about Cornette about because, like, I can only imagine that you and Jim Cornette get along like two peas in a pod. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everything, man. I mean, we're sitting there talking about old school wrestling, talking about how everything is and how it goes and what could happen and what could go down. And, and he puts spins on stuff to where if I got an idea in my head or someone's got an idea and he'll listen to it for a second and then boom, he'll give you something that you hadn't even thought about. And then you go, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Yeah. Cornette's a man, you know, like a lot of people want to talk shit and, and, you know, try to stir up stuff. Cornette, I mean, he fucking knows everything that's going on. He's seen everything. So you sit there and it's a learning tree. 
Same thing with guys like Tracy Smothers. When I was starting, you had Tracy Smothers at all these shows where Tracy will show up, sit down, and you just sit around him, and he'll teach you shit that you'll never learn from anyone else. Yeah, true. Um, now, you are, uh, you, you've got seasoning here. You've worked with a lot. I mean, dude, you've worked with pretty much every top name, I feel like, on the independent scene right now. Uh, it's no secret that there's a couple sharks in the water now trying to pick up talent. Obviously, you're with MLW at the moment, but, I mean, does that contract restrict you from having talks with a, an AEW or an Impact Wrestling or anything like that? Hell, I don't even know. I'd have to look down and, and take a look at it. I ain't sure. I, like I said, I don't, that's all uh, – I would say that goes to some sort of agent or something, but you know I'm asking I got no damn agent. I'm asking you. Yes, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nowadays I'm sitting here saying – it, I always tell dudes backstage and that shows and if fan, like fans will come up and say, what do you think about this, this, or this? And I always sit there and I go, I mean, damn, pro wrestling now is like it's 1998 again. you got all these companies that, that have money and they got spots and then they just be talent out there. So I'm sitting, you know, I'm doing MLW. I'm having fun every single week, every time we tape shit out there. And uh, from what I, you know, from what I've heard, you can kind of, you can kind of do whatever you want. So, yeah. Who, you know, I show up and go to work, you know, whoever, whatever goes down, goes down, I suppose. Well, the reason I ask about the AEW, obviously, is you'll be at StarCast. You're going to be sharing space with a lot yes, of sir. those guys. I mean, have you had any talks about jumping in in any capacity? Have you been, have you been buzzing with those guys? We shall see. That's oh. all I'm answering to say, I guess. We shall see. Man. Okay, fine. Uh, just one You try to get them scoops out here, man. You like Meltzer on this shit. Well, I do it all on the record, though. I'd like you to say <laughs> it so I don't have to be like, sources say Manser is talking about whatever, you know. Uh, it is a very cool time. It's a very cool time to see you becoming like a commodity, you know. And, and on that note, I mean, with so much opportunity out there right now on the independent scene, on, uh, you know, not even the independents. I mean, we're talking about MLW and AEW. It's just so much opportunity mm-hmm. out there. Is a is WWE is that a goal for you still? Is that a place that you'd still like to see yourself wind up at at some point? I mean, it, like I was saying earlier, nowadays it's literally nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. You got you know GCW has this feeling to it. I'm gonna throw GCW in the mix here because I mean, the last couple shows I was at out there back in the day, everyone would say, "Man, ECW's got this thing to it. They got this the crowd, you know." Duh, 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 duh. GCW has this organic goddamn feeling to it out there where the crowd's insane. It's wild. It's a family. Mm-hmm. You get the same shit at MLW. Mm-hmm. When we out in Chicago, that crowd's going ballistic. Yeah, I was there. I, mean, I was there in Chicago. Oh, I, saw your death, I saw your death match with LA Park. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's wild there. There's you got all these companies and they got their feelings to it. So the way that you know, the way I look at it is. As long as I go and get feelings like that at them companies, I'm all about it. You know what I mean? I can't sit here and say, no, nah, I'll never do this or I don't want to do that. I ain't like that. I kind of live day by day. I get up, go do what I do, and try to have fun. I don't want to get, you know, that's why I like to do a little bit of everything. Deathmatch, technical, comedy, whatever it may be. I get bored. I don't want to get bored. I want to keep going out and doing what I got to do. So, I mean, sitting here, I look at all the companies and go, God damn, man, there's all these places you can go, all these things you can do. Day by day. That's all I can say. Day by day. What do you make of uh, some of the bigger name WWE superstars right now that have taken to social media and are like airing their grievances about their spot on the card or, or in the company? 
Well, I guess you could always say Twitter is like free goddamn therapy. <laughs> right? You can get on there and bitch about about whatever you want, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, now, uh, you have, like I said, had the chance to wrestle like all the top stars on the independent scene at this point. Uh, who who's really impressed you? Who's one or one or two guys or or women that have you've gotten in the ring with, and they really were, and you were like, man, this was a much uh, bigger experience than I was expecting. Man, I, I get so hopped up for every match. Like you could you could ask people backstage. I mean, there's sometimes fans will be like, oh man, so you didn't come out during intermission or whatever it may be. If my match is towards the end of the show. I go in this, I call it the crazy zone, man. I, I get kind of wild. I'll be pacing around and just acting a fool. I can't calm down and then go out there and bullshit, you know what I mean? So for me, every match is kind of a, a new experience to where I get so riled up that we go out there and just beat the hell out of each other. I, You know, with me and uh, Matt Riddle, we did two matches. Yeah. Both of those matches were wild. Yeah. And went out there and just went at it. Uh, that was IWA Mid-South. Me and whenever it's me and Eddie Kingston. Me and Nick Gage, me and Sammy, you know, uh, L.A. Park. There's those matches where I know, like, this is we, – we're going to work tonight. You know, this ain't no bullshit. Anytime like that, I always like that feeling. If I get that feeling going, I know we're going to go out there and, you know, we're going to put on something special. What, what's People are going to remember it. For sure. And, and what's – what's you know, of the names you brought up there, you know, a lot of those guys I would associate with, like, you know, a more intense, strong style – I guess I would say about like what you do, but Matt Riddle, uh, not not one of the people I would inherently think of as somebody that you would gel really well with. What was it like being in the being in the ring with a guy like Matt Riddle? Oh, it was great, man. It was that that vibe to where the crowd knows something about to go down. Mm-hmm. You got him before he ever even did nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you get that vibe, it's going to be a good night. Yeah. Well, and uh, one of my favorite things about you. Uh, is you've uh, mastered the eye poke. Uh, what oh, let what all day long? Oh well, <laughs> you know it's a non It's not a move that many wrestlers, you know, outside of maybe Ric Flair, that they would you know take pride in. Like what led you to making that move a signature move of yours? Anything goes, baby. <laughs> it's pro wrestling. I'm, I'm in there trying to get paid. I ain't trying to make a bunch of friends. Yeah. If you give me a chance, I'm gonna poke your eyes and then try to get that W and hit that pay window. <laughs> you don't worry if about. If I the... take your eyes out, go ahead. You go ahead, brother. Well, I was gonna say you don't worry about the ref seeing you and maybe you lose that payday because you lost by getting yourself disqualified. Well, I mean, if that happens, then I just I'm gonna have to find another way to get a payday that week. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I try to I try to make sure the ref don't see it, but if he sees it. A lot of these referees nowadays are pretty laid back, man. They kind of, you know, they let you do what you're going to do. The rules change. Back in the day, you do something, boom, that's a DQ. Nowadays, some of the referees kind of let you, you know, you got to know the ref. If you know the referee, more laid back than another one, or you know the referee likes to party, and you can talk to him later on before or something, you can get away with a couple things. All right, fair. Uh, all right, I'll wrap it up here, uh, Manser. Uh, my last question for you is, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what you're doing now. Uh, but what's what's the future look like for you? If you had to pick a couple, you know, one or two long-term pro wrestling goals, what are you looking to get out of this business, man? I mean, right now, like I said, it's it's open season out here. You got people getting signed every single week. You got spots opening every single week. 
Ole Miss is in a spot right now where I'm starting to get a little traction. I'm not here in the Indies. I'm over at MLW, AAW, AIW, GC Dub, CZ Dub, whatever you want to throw in there. There's all these spots open. There's all these people that are more concerned about what, what oh, man, I got I to gotta do this next year. I got to do this in a year and a half. I'm trying to get paid right now. So while they're worrying about other things, I'm trying to swipe in there and get that W, get them titles, and be the motherfucker on the Indies right now that's taking over. Well said. Uh, well, I know you're coming back here to Chicago with MLW in a couple months, so hopefully I can, I'll can i buy you a light beer. If you would like to try, yes, sir. If you would like to try a really nice Chicago craft beer, I know that's really not your style, but I'm willing to. I, I I can help you bourgeois it up a little bit with a little nicer beer if that would be an interest to you. We'll see what happens. Bring them cameras. Maybe we'll shoot a little something. You can take me to one of these fancy places to Ooh. see what happens out there. Ooh, that's a great idea. I'll hit court up about that. Uh, Man, I want to thank you so much uh, for the time here today. Thank you. Uh, is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up? Oh, just old masters on. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Put in Mance Warner, it'll pop up. ProWrestlingTees.com. Old master got two T-shirts up there. One says "Fuck Meltzer," other one says "Larry to Light Beer." Uh, Starcast Two coming up. Gonna be out there selling eight by tens and bringing T-shirts. And I got some new merch. I'll be debuting that on Twitter. Y'all see that coming up, brother. I'm just having fun out here, man. Every week it's a new adventure out there. New York City here for WrestlingInc.com. Andy Malnowski with the legendary Val Venus. And Val, first off, talk about being here. Uh, ESS Promotions bringing you in here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. ESS Promotions is a, he's a phenomenal agent. Gets the job done. I mean, from the time I leave home to the time I get back home, it's hands off. He takes care of all that work. And uh, he gets me booked at conventions that uh, give the fans what they're really looking for. And, of course, that's a little piece of yours truly, yeah. the Big Val Boski. <laughs> That's right, baby, all the way. And, uh, you know, WrestleCon, it's such a great time to see all the fans. Uh, what do you love most about this industry? I mean, you've been in it for a long time. Uh, what's your favorite part of all this? Meeting the fans, really. I mean, the fans are incredible. You get fans from all different demographics straight across the board, and you get to, you get to really experience what the fans love about pro wrestling, because everybody loves something different about pro wrestling. You know, some people like the female wrestlers, some people like the, you know, the big Val Boski, old school, sexy kind of wrestlers. Some people like the, the viciousness of somebody like maybe, or craziness, I guess you could say, of somebody like an Al Snow that carries around a head for crying out loud. Yeah. So, you know, wrestling caters to a lot of different aspects of the market and let's face it wrestling fans are that market and there's a bunch of different key factors that make up that market and uh, pro wrestling caters to all those markets spot on every Damn. single night man that's what it's all about last Absolutely. quick thing last quick thing here tonight is um who came up with your special gimmick at wwe and really why was it so successful i think it was successful because it was it was clearly something that was new, it was innovative, it was envelope pushing, it was controversial. Um, it was Vincent Mann came up with the name Val Venus and a general idea of the character. Of course, the towel and the hello ladies and, and the jokes, they all came about as we were developing the character, you know, after you know, producing a couple of vignettes that would introduce the character. The character was in development from day one, it was continuing to evolve. And so, yeah, it was something that just, it took a long time to really develop into the towel wearing, hello ladies saying, you know, character that it really ultimately, you know, blew up into. 
Well, Val, we want to say thank you for taking the time for us. And now, if you could share the last thing for us. Obviously, ladies went crazy in the 90s, early 2000s for you. Still do. (laughs) Still still do. Um, What was the craziest thing that you saw with the ladies, you know, in terms of uh, that could be actually repeated on air? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you, cannot even begin to tell you how many ladies would just out in public, wildly, out in public. I mean, it could be in the middle of a McDonald's that would pull their shirts down and say sign right there. Wow. So many, so many. It was a... I want to say you kind of questioned the respect I have for women at that point, but no, it was totally respectful. So yeah, it was all good. It was all good. But yeah, you get a lot of at least stuff that I can talk about as far as crazy goes. That would be one crazy thing. That happened a lot. (laughs) I believe it. Valvinas, thank you so much for taking the time for us. Right here at WrestleCon for WrestleGink.com. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you to Mance Warner. Thank you to Andy Malnoski for going out to WrestleCon and getting that interview with Val Venus for us. Uh, if you want to join us, we'll be at StarCast 2 Friday, May 24th, 2.30 p.m. at the Tuscany Suites and Casino Podcast Movement Stage for our Wrestling Inc. Hootenanny. You can come over, ask some questions, uh, participate. We'll have games. We're going to have a, we're gonna have a Hootenanny. So come join us, StarCast 2 Podcast Movement Stage, May 24th, that Friday, 2.30 p.m. Uh, also, if you want to support the show, support the site. Go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. Get some of our great t-shirts. Also, head over to the iTunes page, Wrestling Inc. Audio. Five-star ratings, fart jokes, whatever you want to put over there is much appreciated. Much appreciated. Helps us uh, stay alive on the charts. Um, I will be back tomorrow with Raj Geary, the owner, proprietor of the site, uh, the host of the post shows. Uh, we are going to be chatting over on the Ringside Wrestling app with a video version of the Winkly, a new Friday video version of the Winkly. We're going to be talking the top five stories of the week, including an official Money in the Bank predictions portion of the show. Uh, we will also feature another Andy Melnoski interview on tomorrow's Winkly. This one will be in video form, again from WrestleCon, and it features Baby Dow, Dusty Rhodes, Baby Dow, going to be on the Winkly tomorrow. Justin LeBar. <laughs> uh, make sure you check out my podcast, Wrestling Reality. comes out Friday morning, 7 a.m. Chris Van Vliet who has just become like the interview, you know, one of the interview kings right now in terms of, you know, got an interview with John Cena, WrestleMania week, the only guy there, you know, Tony Khan, he was in a limo with Chris Jericho right after the rally in Jacksonville announcing AEW. Um, Chris Van Vliet's going to join me on the podcast this week. We'll talk about AEW's TV deal and just kind of shoot the breeze. A uh, really fun, relaxed conversation with a guy I've, I've known for a while. And uh, he even talks about his experience riding on a private jet with the cast of Bohemian Rhapsody. A lot of fun. We'll also do Money in the Bank predictions. Of course, I remind you also, besides my podcast Friday morning, make sure you check out WrestleRumble.com. Go predict uh, and try to win some money on who's going to win at Money in the Bank. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. And a quick shout out. If you play Pokemon Go, I'm almost level 40 right now. Community Day is this Sunday. If you're in the Chicago area uh, and you're going to Lincoln Park Zoo to go play some Pokemon Go, you might see me around. You can come say hello. Uh, I am Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you very much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.